Welcome to Newer Church with Corey Turner. We pray you encounter God and become more like Jesus through this message. To find out more, visit us at numa.church. I want to invite you to go with me to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. I'm going to read from verse 2 to 5. And, uh, you know, it's not often you hear a Christmas message uh, from one of the minor prophets. Often you hear, you know, from the Gospels and really felt the Holy Spirit put this on my heart for you today. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who were too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labour has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, the prophet says, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be their peace. I wanna speak to you today on the subject, what Jesus' birth declares. Today we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. It's important we understand the significance of His birth and what it declares to us, to cosmic rulers and authorities, both angels and demons, and what it declares to this planet for all of eternity. You know, when a royal baby is born, uh, the town crier stands at the front of Buckingham Palace with a gold printed sign and announces to all who would uh, hear that there is another member of the royal family. And it's quite an event that is televised and uh, media gets on it, lots of people know about it. Well, in contrast to that, the God who can move planets around like pawns on a chessboard actually chose for the Son of God, Jesus, to be born in a humble feeding trough yeah. in a little town called Bethlehem. Yeah. And Jesus' birth, as we know in the Old Testament, was foretold by prophets hundreds and thousands of years before His birth. It was a humble teenage girl that was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and in her womb was conceived the Son of God. We read that when Jesus was born, angels appeared to very ordinary shepherds announcing the coming of the Messiah. We read about a star that appeared in the night sky as a sign and a wonder over Bethlehem pointing to the person of Jesus and the Messiah being born. We read about three wise mystics who were searching for the Messiah, bringing expensive gifts to honour and worship the Son of God. We read about the tragedy of one jealous and insecure king that actually committed genocide of uh, young males two years uh, old and younger across that entire region because he did not want anybody else to be king but him. Such were the extraordinary events that were surrounding Jesus' very ordinary birth. And what 
Jesus' birth declares to every single one of us is that God can do the most extraordinary things in the most ordinary of places. We know this because in verse two of this passage, the prophet declares, the, inspired by the Spirit of God, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, which means fruitfulness, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Now, Bethlehem was a little town situated about eight kilometres southwest from Jerusalem. And uh, it, it compared to the significance of Jerusalem and the magnificence of the buildings and the glory of the temple, that people would come and worship in the outer courts in and the priests would offer sacrifices in. Compared to all of the glory of Jerusalem, Bethlehem was a backwater, insignificant, no name, Town And so the Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, is very fitting. In fact, the lyrics of that carol say, O Little Town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Come on, somebody. That's awesome. But it's, it's very uh, characteristic of the town historically and geographically of Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of food. Isn't it interesting that Jesus in John 6.35 referred to Himself as the bread of life. And He said, whoever comes to me shall not hunger and thirst, that in the very town house of food was gonna be born the bread of life. That people could come and eat of and drink of and find nourishment for their soul. Jesus said, if you drink of this water, being natural water, you'll thirst again. But if you drink of this living water, you'll never thirst again. And so in this small town, two kings were born, one temporary king and one eternal king. The first king that was born in Bethlehem was David, a man after God's own heart, an admirable example of leadership to Israel to a certain point. But the second king, perfect in every way, was Jesus. And the Bible describes Jesus as the ancient of days and from ancient days. This is a reference to not only both the Davidic line in which Jesus was born into, the, 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 the tribe of Judah, but also Jesus' eternal origin as the Son of God. The Bible says uh, in John chapter 1, verse 1, He was in the beginning with God. Extraordinary events taking place in very ordinary places. I remember uh, years ago, uh, sobbing on the carpet of a very old Bible college dormitory room, feeling frustrated about the season of life that I was in and nothing seemed to be working no matter how hard I tried. And in the midst of that moment, the Holy Spirit came into that very ordinary place and space and began to speak to me. And He said to me, from this room, from this carpet that you are crying on, I will take you and your ministry around the world to transform and impact people's lives. 
And that Word became fulfilled in my life, an extraordinary Word in a very ordinary place. You know, in 1 Corinthians 1.27, the Apostle Paul had this revelation. He said, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. He's chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is low and despised in the world to bring to nothing things that are. Let me tell you, if a virgin girl can give birth to the King of Kings in a backwater town, what can God do with your life? What ordinary circumstance or what ordinary issue or challenge or what what mess are you facing that right now the extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit, the extraordinary message of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the extraordinary grace that God has given to us through His Son can minister into your very ordinary situation. The birth of Jesus declares to all of us that God is not only up for it, but He is more than able to do extraordinary things in ordinary places. What else does Jesus' birth declare? Jesus' birth declares to Satan that sin doesn't have the final word. The Bible says in verse three of this passage, therefore He being God shall give them up until the time when she who is in labour has given birth, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. What a fascinating verse. It's a reference to the affliction of judgment on God's people for their rebellion and disobedience towards God. But in the midst of the affliction of rebellion and disobedience, Excuse me, God in His mercy actually declares that there is coming a time of salvation for not just God's people, but the ends of the earth. And there is coming a time that in that salvation, God's people shall be unified under one Messiah. I remember fearing for my life when Simone was in labour. Has any other husbands in the room feared for your life? when your wife was in labour, you know, and, and my wife was, her body was going through the stress of labour and she was in pain and then she entered into that period of time called transition where she decided she doesn't want to do this anymore. And uh, we're not having this baby today. And I said, I don't want to do this anymore either because uh, there's a lot of stress and pain. And, 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 and unfortunately, I opened up my mouth and said that and a hard object just flew across the room and I was afraid for my life. And she said, you know, don't, you don't get to fall asleep on me. You did this to me and I had to agree with it. And so, you know, it, it's sort of like, I understand and, you know, the, the dynamics of watching. I didn't go through what I felt I went through it. I didn't, but, but I observed my wife go through the challenge, the affliction, the pain of labour. Interesting when Satan deceived Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 to disobey God, he thought he had the final word. He thought he had taken their dominion, their authority, He thought that He'd brought them into subjection and slavery to sin. He thought that He had the final word. But this is what God says in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, 
between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall crush your head. In other words, there's coming a day, enemy, there's coming a day, Lucifer, there's coming a day, adversary, where time will be fulfilled and times and seasons will converge and there will be the offspring, the Son of God that will come and rectify and recompense and redeem everything that has been lost here on this day. And in Galatians 4.4, Paul says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. And then when Jesus begins His ministry in Mark 1.15, He says, the time is fulfilled and the Kingdom of God is here. You see, when Jesus hung on that cross and He declared, it is finished, He had the final word on sin and guilt and shame and condemnation and brokenness and what it means to be lost and separated from God. And today you may be burdened and heavy laden under the weight of shame and under the weight of condemnation. But I'm here to tell you today that sin does not have the final word in your life. The cross of Jesus Christ does. That manger with that little baby does. Bethlehem does, the story of Christmas and Jesus' birth does. You can be delivered from the bondage of sin today because of the birth of the Messiah King. That's right. That's right. Jesus' birth declares to all of the universe, to Satan himself and to you and I, sin doesn't have the final word. That's it. What did Jesus' birth declare? Jesus' birth declares to the world, the King is here and we're called into His Kingdom. Bible says in verse four, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, not in his own power. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. In the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God, the Bible says, and they shall dwell secure, not just Israel, meaning you and I, for now he shall be great. His salvation shall extend to the ends of the earth. You know, as good as um, Jesus' teaching was, He did not simply come to be a great rabbi and to build for Himself a platform, a reputation of great oratorical ability and teaching capacity. As good as His teaching was, Jesus did not come simply to be an historical, uh, well-known teacher. As holy as Jesus' character and nature was and is, Jesus did not come simply to give us a supreme moral example. To simply be one great example in history to follow. As effective as Jesus' leadership was, Jesus did not come simply to give us insights into building teams and what true leadership looks like, what it means to be a servant leader, all of these things. Jesus did not come to give us an example or a picture of those things. 
The good news of the gospel that we are celebrating today and every day of our lives is that God has reclaimed His sovereign rule over the world through Jesus Christ and He has taken back what was taken from us. And now you and I not only are recipients of the gift of grace and the gift of salvation, but we've been given the keys to the Kingdom of God. This is the good news of the Gospel. And so the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and the book of Acts in direct line with Genesis 3 all the way through to Psalms, Proverbs, etc. And all of the prophets tell us how God became King through Jesus Christ. And now Jesus Christ has a new creation project called the church the body of Christ. And you and I as believers and followers are actually God's new creation project. The old has gone, the new has come. Every single believer and follower of Jesus is a part of the universal church, God's new creation project. And we are not just called as every person is called into relationship with God, into the Kingdom of God to participate in this new creation project, but we are called to advance the Kingdom of God across the nations and demonstrating the love and power of Jesus Christ telling the world there is a King, His Name is Jesus, and there is a Kingdom, a rule and a reign of King Jesus that every single one of us are called into. And there's coming a day where every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what Jesus' birth declares to us is that Jesus is King and we're called into His Kingdom. And finally, what did Jesus' birth declare to us? Jesus' birth declares to us that eternal peace is only found through faith in Jesus. The Bible says in verse 5, He shall be there and our peace. Um, Pastor Stacy quoted it earlier, but Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What a name. And of the increase of His government and of His peace, there will be no end. I'm so grateful that today we celebrate, we're in relationship with a God that in the midst of a world surrounded by the storms of life, Jesus' birth declares, peace be still. In a world of fatigue and exhaustion, Jesus' birth declares, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. In a world desperately searching for fulfilment, Jesus' birth declares, whoever comes to me shall never hunger and thirst again. In a world that is desperately looking for a leader worthy to follow, Jesus says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And in a world that has been broken and marred by sin, even creation itself, groans under the weight of sin. Jesus' birth declares, everyone who calls on the Name of the Lord shall be saved. You see what Jesus' birth declares is more than just celebrating, singing a few carols, going and stuffing our faces, Christmas lunch and trying to recover in our digestive tract overnight. And and, uh, 
It's a whole lot more than parties, gifts, presents. It's actually the story, not just of our history, but of the entire universe. It all changed on the day Jesus was born. Thank you for listening to Numa Church with Corey Turner. Please visit our website, numa.church, and follow us on our social media platforms.